Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of Everything Under the Sun is sponsored by NHTSA. Sadly, in 2020, 24 children died of pediatric vehicular heat stroke, and many of those incidents occurred when parents or caregivers simply forgot the child was in the car. A child's body temperature rises three to five times faster than an adult's. So if you see a child unattended and you can't locate their parents, call 911. If the child looks unresponsive, do whatever it takes to get him or her out safely, including breaking the window. Your actions could save the life of a child. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world, bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors, covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. And welcome into episode eight of our summer series of Everything Under the Sun. Good to have you with us. It is the continuation of vacation weeks across the country and here at Everything Under the Sun. I know that many of you are thinking like I'm thinking is we're right in the two thirds mark of July and August is going to just go by quickly. Do we have some summer weather to get some vacation and all those things uh, going on? We'll get a good look at the next several weeks of summer and who's going to have the best shot at having good weather for summer vacation as we go through the rest of July and August and who will not. Our chief long-range forecaster, Paul Pasolak, is coming up and then Andy Robb, one of our executive producers, will join me to do a little best of segment talking about some of the great segments we've done on Everything Under the Sun over the last six months. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about Everything Under the Sun. Let's check in with our chief long-range forecaster here at AccuWeather.com, Paul Pastelock, to get an idea of who's going to have the good summer stuff the rest of the way and who may not. Paul, great to have you here. Uh, look, I think uh, we're, you know, it just hit me as I'm coming home from my big vacation that uh, summer is waning. Uh, and, uh, you know, you look at the date here as we enter into the last Full weekend of July, we're coming to the end of solar summer. Still got a lot of heat and humidity to deal with in places. We've come off this uh, amazing confluence of uh, smoke in the atmosphere and humidity, wildfires raging out west, and um, a lot of drought that got erased by rounds of showers and thunderstorms in parts of the Midwest and the Great Lakes and Northeast here as we've gone over the last couple of weeks. But I think on everybody's mind now, with especially this surge in numbers that we're seeing with the Delta variant and COVID, a lot of people want to maximize this vacation time that they have remaining here in the rest of the summer period. So I wanted to spend some time with you and speaking for the long range team and kind of give us an update of where we are in the summer forecast as you see it. I think all the things that we highlighted going into the summer are certainly coming to fruition, some of them in maybe differing degrees and somewhat uh, than we thought, but 
you know, the heat, the wildfire situation, the storminess and a little early activity in the in the tropics, all the things that we kind of highlighted that we're going to happen this summer have. And how are we poised going forward? So let's kind of give a stock. How are you feeling about where the summer forecast was put together and where we are and where we go forward with it? I felt very good about how we put the summer forecast together. I think we hit the um, the trends and timing. The, the extremes that popped up were a little bit shifted farther west. We saw British Columbia down to the northwest in late June have all-time records being broken, some exceptional heat that took place. Terrible. At the same time, yeah. we saw quite a bit of rainfall in Texas and Oklahoma racing, like you said, Dean, the drought conditions down there. Two things that we didn't expect to be that extreme, but we did have above normal for most of the West uh, as far as temperatures go early on and then easing back with the oncoming of the monsoon season, which worked out very well, the timing. Uh, But overall, the East and the and the plain, the Midwest, the Isle Valley, the Tennessee, everywhere else looked pretty good. Everything's working out fairly uh, well, just a little bit more extreme in the Northwest, but they're seeing some cooling now. So those numbers will come down in the overall averages over the next 10 day period. Well, let's start out West and then we'll work our way East here. Uh, so as we look at the rest of the summer, uh, the temperatures have come down a little bit out West. Yeah. We had that uh, just deadly and historic heat. Uh, which is as bad as a historic Arctic outbreak that we talk about so much in the uh, east and, and and places in the and the plains in the winter. This was as equally dangerous and problematic uh, out west with the heat. Um, any more returns of that or does the heat kind of just kind of linger more in the southwest part of the United States, not making those incursions as far north as we go through the rest of the summer? Unfortunately, I do see a period uh, going into early August where the heat may return again uh, towards the northwest and southwest Canada, not to that extreme. I think that was something that we're not going to see for a while, those kind of temperatures that we did see. The setup was just perfect for them to be that hot. In fact, I think it got a little help from other things as well. Uh, We'll get into that debate. But again, I do feel that, uh, you know, the Northwest will get hot again. They're just going to be in a little bit of a reprieve on the coastal sections uh, and just, you know, uh, west of the Cascades. Those places are down a little bit over the next uh, seven to 10 days. Then they heat up again. Uh, The heat will continue. The wildfires are just raging in parts of California and uh, Oregon, Utah. That's going to go on. In fact, last season was a late season on the wildfire. We believe this season as well will be a late season again. So I don't see anything to stop that. You mean it continues later than normal in terms of the season situation? Is that what you're saying there, right? Yeah, we were talking still about some large fires all the way into December last year. And I do feel that we're going to be talking about that again in December. Usually they're winding down a little bit. uh, But with the return of La Nina, uh, we feel in the mid to latter part of the fall season, uh, that usually inspires more drought conditions, more dryness. Uh, hey, we could see it again. So we could see more uh, more fires uh, breaking out here, especially in the short term as well. Let's come back now to the middle of the country. Um, you know, I spend uh, my mornings, uh, several minutes every morning in Chicago. And, you know, they started out hot and dry. They had drought issues. And then all of a sudden somebody turned the hose on like there in Detroit. And then there was a couple of weeks here where it's just been incredibly wet. Um, It looks like uh, finally we're going to get some uh, cooler air as we head into this upcoming weekend that 
you know, at least starts uh, the weekend before some warmth and humidity. But Northern Plains uh, is still pretty up and down for a while where we get a little bit of a cool trend and then a big warm up. Uh, is that the kind of the Northern Plains Great Lakes scenario here in the next several weeks? Yeah, well, the one thing the one thing to notice about this pattern, it, if you go way up into Canada, I know everyone's focused on the United States, right? But you go up into Canada, it's actually running below normal on temperatures around Hudson Bay and farther north. There's a cool pool that's set up across that area. We do feel that there's going to be some fronts that slide southward and bring some uh, less than humid, less heat to parts of the Upper Midwest, Great Lakes, and the Ohio Valley and Northeast at times over the next couple of weeks. But the thing is, is that it's so dry from Minnesota, western Minnesota, all the way through the Dakotas, any type of warm-up, Dean, in the future is going to overachieve. And right. we do feel that we're going to see more heat, some 90s again still showing up. It's not going to be too hard to get 90s there, as opposed, if you look farther south to Dallas, they still haven't reached 100 degrees yet. Right. Um, the I guess the record's like in the second week of August. So we're getting closer and closer to that time period because their soil moisture has been very, very high this year. So that difference in soil moisture has made a huge difference going into this part of the year. And it also then sets up more boundaries to go forward in terms mm-hmm. of the formation of showers and thunderstorms that, that we're looking at. Um you know, you talk about that cool pool of air in Canada that just doesn't want to let go. We've seen that come down into the Northeast and the Great Lakes at some of the most inopportune times. We had that push at Memorial Day that kind of mm-hmm. did that a number on that weekend. The Fourth of July weekend, at least the early part of it, had the same thing. Do we get another one of those this summer? Some, you know, really unseasonably cool air or is uh, that going to be held at bay? Uh, and, uh, you know, just some moderate cool downs before it warms back up and gets more humid in some of those spots. I think it's more of a moderate cool down, but it, that moderate cool down combined with the heat out in the plains and the Rockies is just enough to lead to a, um, you know, a good difference in temperature and a boundary like you were talking about earlier, Dean, where you're going to see these storms develop uh, in parts of Iowa. We saw uh, tornadoes that broke out not just recently in Iowa, uh, Minnesota, Iowa down through the Midwest, through the Ohio Valley and Great Lakes. And they're going to continue to go on in that around that frontal boundary stuck between that cooler air mass and warm air mass. So maybe it's not as cool as what we saw in those other periods that you just discussed. But with that heat so high and that cool difference, I think that's the bigger story is the thunderstorms that could fire up from time to time all the way into the fall season. So uh, we're talking with Paul Pastelock, our lead forecaster in our long range team, and his, he and his team do so much great work. And we appreciate giving us the heads up that we were looking for in things this summer. And we're talking about how you can plan for the rest of your summer. Let's talk about the southeast. Uh, you know, we got off to a, a fast start with uh, tropical season in the Atlantic Basin. Um, before going into my vacation of the last couple of weeks, I remember Bernie saying that he thought we were going to go into these kind of like doldrum times for a couple of weeks. And it seems like we are in that right now. When do things start picking back up in terms of activity in the tropics? Yeah. Good question, Dean. Uh, we were just, I was just talking about this, uh, just recently. Uh, there's just way too much opposite wind, uh, wind shear that we like to discuss. And it typically develops sometimes in July, quiets things down for a period before things ramp up again. We're going through that period right now. Uh, The waves are getting kind of crushed on the northern side and just kind of going towards South America and the Caribbean kind of falling apart. But we just talked about those disturbances coming down between the cool and the warm air 
uh, the heat dome. Got to be careful this time of the year that any of those disturbances that round the heat dome and get down into those warm Gulf waters, that the, the air aloft is difluent. And so that means good venting. So you can get good buildups over the Gulf of Mexico, and that could generate lower pressure out of the blue. And so we've seen this happen in the past. And my concern is in the next two weeks, or maybe in the next week and a half or so, you can see something try to form down in the Gulf of Mexico or off the Southeast coast that will just, you know, you're saying the pattern's quiet, everything's looking good. And all of a sudden one of these little phantom things just develops out of the blue. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be make a major uh, impact, but it could flare up. Otherwise I think we're pretty quiet through the middle until the middle of August um, because we're getting no help from waves coming out of the Pacific to kind of stir things up, they're kind of holding back. And so the pattern's really not uh, favorable for anything through the beginning of August at this point. One pattern that hasn't been favorable, and I'll, I'll say this kind of selfishly, is uh, we haven't had great stretches of long stretches of beach weather up and down the eastern seaboard. I just came off a, a week uh, up in Cape Cod, and honestly, over my 14 straight years of spending time there, Probably one of the downest weeks in terms of the most days. It wasn't that great. It wasn't great beach weather. It wasn't, uh, we get to get a couple. Um, if I'm trying to plan some vacation to the Eastern seaboard, to the beaches, is that going to be the, the status quo here as we go into August and early September? Uh, are we going to continue to stay kind of unsettled at times where we may get a couple of nice days, but then get into an unsettled pattern for a couple of days and then kind of do it all over again? That seems to be the way things are going. Why didn't anybody ask me when I was taking my vacation? When <laughs> I went you. on my vacation, I had four straight days of dry and hot weather at Wildwood. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was like living it up with my family. And then we got slaughtered by some heavy storms coming right. in at the end. So yeah. you guys all missed out by not asking me, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, when I went on my vacation here. But Usually uh, it's that second or third week. I mean, I usually hit that yeah. about right where it just, like you said, it just, it, it, it gets into a kind of a nice spot with, or, you know, you can call it a Bermuda high is what yeah. we used to call it when we were kids or mm -hmm. uh, just that ridge building in, but. Yeah. And, and if, if there's more cooler air incursions, maybe not as drastic as we've seen at some points coming down from Canada, that just uh, speaks to uh, you're going to have to take it a day at a time. Don't have too many expectations, right? Going forward right. this summer, especially in the Northeast and the Great Lakes, those areas. Well, here's the thing, Dean, if you like, if, if you're, if you want to be on the beach and you want the hot weather, it may be tough to get consistent consistency in the Northeast, but you will get a, I think a few more dry days and pleasant days because when these cool fronts come down, mm. they bring some drier air masses. Yeah. So you'll be able to go and shop and do your walking or jogging, whatever you like to do on vacation, a little bit better in the north. Now in the south, these storms, don't get me wrong, they're not going to be these cutoff lows that we experienced earlier in the year. It's not going to rain for like four days straight, but you are going to get, unfortunately, during the peak of the afternoon when you're out at the beach, something popping up. So you want to get out there maybe a little earlier, late morning, early afternoon before that develops, but you're going to be hotter. You're going to see the humidity from time to time come up and still enjoy that kind of heat. So it depends on what you, what you consider a vacation going to the beach. I mean, a lot of people, when they say beach, you're going on the beach, you know, and right, doing stuff. Yeah. but there's a lot of things nowadays built up where you just want to enjoy the nice walk. And I think you can do that in the Northeast. You're going to get some pleasant uh, conditions from time to time in the Northeast. 
Yeah, I mean, our, our Cape vacation, there were some cloudy days, but at least it was cooler and low humidity up there, mm-hmm. whereas they were just sweating it out with terrible humidity farther south and west, New York, and uh, and interior parts. So, all right, uh, I think that kind of gives us a sense of what's going on the rest of the summer. Any early, because, I mean, I think everything is off with timing, and we've talked about this before, where, you know, some of the nicer weather, especially in along the eastern seaboard, can last now into September, October. Uh, some early thoughts about what's traditional fall. Are you guys looking at some uh, big ticket items to kind of preview before we get to the full fall forecast here at AccuWeather? Well, I think the show is stolen in the West, of course, because we don't see anything really rescuing right away the folks in California, Oregon, Washington, Utah. With the heat dome and the fires and all that. The fires. That is going to be the biggest news. And a lot of people, and you talked about this off air, with the the COVID coming back a little bit, a lot of people are looking for places to go. And the places to go is in separated areas like you know, campground in the parks, West, right? Yep. All those, you gotta, of, be, yep. you gotta be careful. All I can suggest is make sure you're in tune with the local authorities everywhere you go to know where these wildfires are and where they're starting up and, and take the advisories uh, seriously out there over the next month and a half. And what about farther East? Do you think uh, there's going to be some nice weather lingering along the Eastern seaboard as we go into the early part of fall? Does it look like that? I still think it's going to be unsettled in the Ohio Valley at times and the southeast and even farther south into South Carolina and North Carolina. Uh, I do think that the northeast, the mid-Atlantic should enjoy some better weather uh, than they have recently. I think they do have some dry spells in there. But again, with fronts not far off to your west, you're still going to get some action from time to time. It's just no doubt about it, especially if you have a big high in the west. It's going to be unsettled in the east at times. So. I don't see anything changing there, but I don't see the cold, you know, ruining plans into September just yet. Just a few cool or chilly highs sneaking in from time to time in the Northeast. So when are you taking your next vacation? So I can follow you on that since um, I, I didn't get the memo when you were going to bring the nice weather for folks. You well, know, you I'll tell vacation. you off the air because okay. I don't want to go work right now. You know? <laughs> no, I, I understand. And, you know, you want to keep socially distant. You don't want people to maybe follow you. Paul Passalock. Thanks so much for all the work that you do with our long range team and, and thank the team for us here at everything under the sun. Great work. All right, Dean. Again, we appreciate Paul's help. He will be back with us in just a few weeks as we get ready to preview the fall forecast. Yeah. Summer's fleeting folks. In fact, here in the second of our vacation week episodes, episode number eight here in the summer season, we're going to check in with our executive producer, Andy Robb. He and I have come up with a list of three segments that we want to, kind of revisit and talk about and point you to where you can get more information about things like child safety in the cars in the summer season, lighting safety, and so much more. That's coming up in our next segment on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news. You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather, gaining knowledge on terms like What's a nor'easter? Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com, episode number eight of our summer series. And again, if you're just joining us on the podcast, maybe the first time or second time, what we do is we try to help weatherproof your life by dividing up the year into the seasons. We're in episode eight of the summer series, but you know, we also like to try to highlight some of the stories that we've done previously 
as uh, we look at a, a best of episode every once in a while. And this is a good time to do it as we continue vacation week here at Everything Under the Sun. One of our executive producers, Ken Prell, is on vacation this week. Andy Robb is still in the house and joins me here as we kind of look at some of these best of episode clips. Andy, welcome back. Thanks for helping out last week with hosting. Absolutely. With Great Ken. to be here. Yeah, it was uh, it was good to get away. Good to uh, get back and work with you. And I know you and Ken and, and I are very proud of this uh, podcast and, and some of the information that we give. And mm -hmm. we wanted to go back because I think there's three segments that I want to highlight and kind of point people to where I think some of these issues are, are going to be uh, pretty, pretty intense and pretty, pretty necessary to know about. And, and the first one I'd like to kind of go back on in the best of situation is when we talked back in the spring, episode seven of the spring series, that goes back to about April 30th. You can look that up on uh, wherever you get your podcast. And we talked to our friends at NHTSA who've been really good enough to sponsor this uh, broadcast. And, and we were fortunate, Andy, to talk with the executive uh, director of, the, of NHTSA and, and, and really delve down into this issue of pediatric vehicular heat stroke, which is uh, really unfortunately becoming so much more of an issue because honestly, people's busy lives, sometimes they just forget. Mm -hmm. what's going on around them. And there have been the children forgotten in the backseat. And it's uh, unfortunately, there's been uh, last year, 2020, there was over two dozen deaths. It's just hard to imagine that in this day and age that still is happening, but it is. And, and it's something, Andy, that uh, I'm glad we were able to highlight here on Everything Under the Sun. Absolutely. And we did it at just the perfect time right before the temperatures started to go up. So it's just in the back of everyone's mind just to, you know, be a little more mindful and exercise that caution uh, when you're dealing with a hot vehicle, for sure. And as and as Paul said, this is going to be continue to be an issue, especially out west, where the heat's going to continue to uh, be getting reinforced and being around. Let's uh, listen to the clip from Dr. Stephen Cliff from Everything Under the Sun back on April 30th. Here are spring Series Episode 7 on Vehicular Heat Stroke Among Youngsters. Dr. Cliff, welcome. Um, you know, I personally have just come back from a trip, quick trip down to Florida, and uh, this very issue kind of struck me because coming from Pennsylvania, uh, the cars in the afternoon sun are getting warm, but certainly not hot. And then uh, going down to Florida for a couple of days, uh, by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, I went to take a quick uh, jaunt to the store and I came back in and my uh, the dashboard of my car uh, almost burned me. And it just reminded me of this very issue about how quickly, especially this time of the year, especially as we get into solar summer, where we are really need to be aware of this danger of, of leaving our toddlers and infants and, and our children children in the cars for, for too long. So we can try to reverse the trends that we've been seeing over the last few years. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about this. It's a, a really important issue and you're bringing up some really relevant uh, in information and we can talk a little bit about the specifics there, but I just want to state up front that heat stroke is the leading cause of non-crash fatalities for children under the age of 14. And it's really heartbreaking. So, you know, you noted toddlers and infants, really no parent or grandparent or caregiver should have to experience this type of loss. And um, kids in cars can, can suffer from heat stroke very quickly. And so it's something to be very concerned about, as you noted. And the numbers are staggering. I know for some uh, public service announcement that I just recently recorded, uh, we're, we've talking about, what, two dozen 
fatalities in this regard just in the last calendar year to 2020. And then the, the numbers over the last several years are just are staggering. Since 1998, over 850 children lost. Since 98, 882 children lost nationwide due to heat stroke. And about half of those were un- unintentionally forgotten in vehicles. I just mentioned, you know, I'm from Pennsylvania. So uh, the heat uh, it builds up in a car a, a little bit differently than some of those Southern Belt states. So let's talk a little bit about the difference in geography here nationwide in terms of the, uh, the kinds of deaths that occur uh, because of vehicular heat stroke. Yeah, the southern states are particularly important. You know, you mentioned Florida. Uh, since 1998, 96 children have uh, suffered from heat stroke deaths in cars in Florida since 98, and in Texas, 132. So it, it's not only those areas. The There's other hot states, California, Arizona, Georgia, Louisiana, North Carolina, and Tennessee also have higher numbers compared to the rest of the country. Do you think some of that is because some of those are high tourist states and people, uh, has there been any study about that? Is, is it, or are those deaths because of people not being familiar enough or is it just mainly forgetfulness in terms of no matter where you are, but those areas seem to ramp up a little bit differently and more quickly because of their sun angle situations? Well, I think primarily the, the main factor here is heat. So what we're talking about is unintentionally leaving kids or allowing kids to be in cars as the car heats up. Uh, simply stated, the warmer states are much more likely to, to have this condition be a problem because ambient temperatures are higher. But even where there's lower temperatures, we've seen, we've seen these unintentional deaths, even in Montana, where temperatures are lower, when, even in the 70s outside, a car can reach dangerous levels very, very quickly. And we all know that when you get in a car after it's been out in the sun, it's extremely hot. Uh, yeah. But that's a much bigger issue for uh, children than adults. So right, because they, they, they can't handle it like we can, right? They don't that's have right. the system to that's set up. Um, and so they're going to spike into dangerous levels in terms of their heart rate and their and problems because of heat stroke much more quickly by maybe a factor of two, three times more quickly than an adult? Three to five times more likely. Uh, that's that, that, simply stated, children can't handle that the temperature increase uh, as well as adults. And of course, don't have the ability to respond as quickly as an adult. If it's too hot and you recognize that, you can just open the door and get out. In some cases, kids don't have that ability. They're either in a child seat or uh, unable to uh, open the car door. Really good information there. And again, thanks to NHTSA for all the work they've been doing to kind of raise awareness, Andy, of this. And also as a sponsor of our podcast here over the last uh, several weeks, I know I've had a lot of people reach out to me and are thankful for this reminder to make sure that you're always checking that back seat. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of thunderstorms of late across the country, including here where we live in central Pennsylvania, especially over the last couple of weeks. It seems like, uh, you know, sometimes we don't think we get a lot of thunderstorms in central PA, but it seems like the uh, thunder and lightning have been flying. And I know lightning safety is something that's uh, near and dear to my heart. I was part of a situation where our house got struck when I was uh, in high school. And luckily we were there, Andy, because I think if we hadn't been, um, it was uh, going to be a situation that was not good for our house. And, you know, so many 
times we talk about the what is the lightning capital of America, right? Mm-hmm. And for a long time, everybody thought it was Florida, but there's been new evidence that maybe that uh, position of who is the most lightning strikes or the most intense lightning has changed. So Chris Vagaski of the National Lightning Safety Council and the meteorologist who's also in charge of lightning applications at Mysala, one of our partner companies too, is uh, joining us um, back when we go into our podcast of spring number 10. That's uh, May 21st of 2021. And Chris had some really good insight on why Oklahoma now is the new lightning capital of America. It is looking like now where Florida had always, at least in my lifetime, been known as the lightning capital of America and somewhat a dubious distinction, as Mark called it in that article. Um, Now it looks like that may be shifting the number or the amount of lightning in terms of uh, the leader in the clubhouse may be going to a state in the plains. Let's talk a little bit about that and break it down. How are we going to explain this, Chris? This, sometimes we take pride in everything under the sun and taking something that's complicated and, and kind of boiling it down. So I think, what do you do? You, you took do you take a, an average uh, square mile radius or something and say how much lightning is within a certain amount of time in that area and then compare that to other parts of the country? Is that kind of a, a kind of a, a rough way to kind of talk about lightning density? Yeah. So yeah, lightning density is how much lightning is occurring over a unit of area. So we look at things per square kilometer. Um, If you want to think about what a square kilometer is, it's about 187 football fields. We we counted how many lightning events our network detected over each of those square kilometer areas across the United States. If you had 187 football fields out in one area, just think of how much lightning occurs over that over the course of a year, and that's your yearly lightning density. So when you looked at those numbers, it's become apparent that in recent years, that density or the higher number is now located in the state of Oklahoma versus where we had thought it was or has been the last several years over the state of Florida, correct? Uh, When we look at the, the numbers over the last five years, they are neck and neck Oklahoma and Florida. I mean, it's really close. I mean, it's less than one lightning event per square kilometer. Um, And that's a statewide total. So for the entire state of Oklahoma compared to the entire state of Florida, if you get down to smaller scale details, so down to the county level, Florida still has the the top two counties in the country for lightning density. So Orange County and Seminole County right there in central Florida have the most lightning in their counties across right. the United States. So so in, in a small scale, those are still the heart and hot spots of lightning. And one reason for that, folks, is because they're at the intersection of wind direction, thunderstorm situations. So they sometimes get it coming and going. They get one in the morning from the east and they may get a one in the west. And, you know, sometimes they're right in the middle. And those uh, I got a day's travel knocked out just uh, at the end of April. Um, you may remember that there was a day where Florida was covered in thunderstorms and so much lightning. And uh, I missed a day of travel down to, to Florida. I had to go a day later. So that seems to make sense. So the other thing from this data and a story that our Bill Waddell did on, on this, I think with you as well, is a lot more cloud the ground lightning in Florida versus Oklahoma, where it's more cloud to cloud stuff, correct? 
Correct. Yeah. And that's where the the lightning capital nomenclature initially came from was looking at cloud to ground lightning. Back when lightning detection was first really becoming a thing, you were only really able to detect the cloud to ground lightning with any reasonable amount of certainty. Um, but now with new technologies and continued development and improvement of the lightning network that we detect in cloud lightning in addition to the cloud to ground lightning. So in Florida, you still lead the way in cloud to ground lightning. And that's really important lightning to pay attention to because that's what's going to hit a person or hit a building. But in Oklahoma, uh, the numbers are skewed a little more towards the in cloud lightning. Andy, I know that uh, when we look at uh, all kinds of the, the weather phenomenon, lightning was one of the things that got me into weather. I think it's very intriguing to people. It's obviously a, an amazing show. And mm-hmm. I think it's sometimes that 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 line where you got to respect the beauty and the power and the awe of it and yeah. and keep in mind the danger of it too. Have yeah. you ever had a bad experience with lightning yourself? Not particularly, but you know the, the thing is is that everybody has seen lightning. Everyone knows what it is, but a lot of people don't know a whole lot about it. And that's like that's the thing that's the most important thing. Like you said before about, you know, lightning safety is is knowing like exactly what lightning is capable of and what it can do. But what was, uh, you know, really awesome to me, I don't know if you saw, I retweeted this story. Actually, Chris Vygasky did a tweet earlier in this week. If we're on pace right now to be under double digits for lightning fatalities this year, um, and that's an amazing situation. A lot of it, I think, is, you know, the folks that the National Lightning Safety Council and and as uh, you know, we've been told by those folks how much work we do here at AccuWeather and other weather people to get people prepared. So um, that's at least good news. So uh, one more segment we'd like to uh, kind of highlight, and this goes back to, you know, I'm a, a camper. I love it. We did that Go RVing segment just a couple of weeks ago here in the summer series. But back in the spring series, we got a chance to talk to the CEO and president of KOA Campgrounds, Toby O'Rourke. And that was a great interview. You remember that? Yeah. And he, uh, she, she is a dynamic person and really can, speaks well to an amazing organization. I mean, we have a KOA campground just near the headquarters here at AccuWeather, and I've got yeah. a lot of family members that have used that over the year. But, you know, with this increased um, idea of uh, the possibility that we're seeing the Delta variant come back into more importance in our lives, and uh, we wonder how we vacation, I think campground and that whole resurgence is going to be even more entrenched. So let's uh, listen to myself and Toby talking about how the KOA campgrounds of America and the outlook for camping and all of that good stuff. Here's uh, me and Toby back from May. So Toby, excited to uh, talk to you about this. I've been a camper myself for about 15 years. Um, A lot of uh, uh, kind of campground camping, maybe some people might even call it glamping. So uh, it's certainly been something that's been in part of my DNA, but it was amazing here over the last year or so, especially with the pandemic and last summer when travel and recreational options were limited. It seems like folks rediscovered the joys and wonderful things that camping can bring to your life. And certainly your company, KOA, has uh, benefited from that. Uh, has to be kind of exciting times to be in the camping industry right now. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for having us on to talk about camping, because like you said, it's part of your DNA. It's a part of the DNA of a lot of Americans. In fact, 86 million households consider themselves campers. You know, For many people, this is something they grew up with. 
and maybe they're, they're just rediscovering it again for the first time. What we did see through the pandemic is a lot of people started camping for the first time or came back to camping after many years away. In fact, almost half of people who camped last year were first-time campers or had restarted. And so we love seeing this resurgence of interest in camping and in the outdoors. I mean, it's obviously very healthy for our business, but I think it's healthy for the country. You know, there's so many good aspects from mental health benefits to spending time with family in the outdoors. So right. um, you can't absolutely. beat you can't beat spending time in the outdoors. And and the thing that I find with camping is the the new friends and family that you meet and make along the way. That's one of the joys of it. I think sometimes when we're traveling in and out of hotels, boom, boom, we kind of stick to our little room. Yeah, we may see some people at the uh, breakfast bar in the morning, just a cursory high. But when you're in a campground, you really get to know the people around you and you get exposed to many different things in terms of life. You can learn so many new things. So it's not only the joys of being outdoors, but it's the joys of getting to know other people as well. Yeah. You know, we always talk about campground as being like a small community, like a small town. Even I'm from a very small town. My hometown had 700 people, uh, Southwest Montana. So I know all about that idea of, you know, everybody, everyone's friendly. It's a great environment, right? To raise your families. And that's what a campground's like. You're right. People don't walk you know, down the hallway in the hotel and knock on the door and ask for a beer. Like at a campground, people will come over and comment on the RV you're driving, or the kids will ride bikes down the path together or, and become fast friends. You don't see that happening at a hotel. No, you that, don't. That would, that would be pretty scary. The other um, thing that I think happens in a campground too is people helping each other out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner and I, we've become savvy campers. And so we've got all the little tricks in the trade and the bells and whistles and the things. And and then as so many people, we saw this last year camping for the first time. Um, it's that community of getting everybody uh, together. You know, maybe somebody forgets a tarp or whatever, or something that they need. That community in the campground seems to build around that and help people. So if you are a little nervous about going out camping and doing that, a place like a KOA campground has to be a good first choice because you're going to have the experience of not only the staff at the campground, who's obviously very experienced in helping people have a good time, but all those around you trying to also have a good time as well. Campers are help each other. There's definitely a sense of community and there's a lot of new people out there camping for the first time. You know, we estimate over 10 million new households camped for the first time last year. They may not know how to run that RV. They may not know how to build a fire. Um, you're, you're right. Likely that camper next to you is going to help you. And I do agree. I think KOA or other private campgrounds are a great place to go because you have staff that can help. Again, that's uh, Toby O'Rourke, CEO and president of KOA Campgrounds. Again, you can find that episode if you go back to May 28th. That's our final spring series episode. And Andy, that's the great thing about podcasts, right? You know, we can do these uh, episodes every week like we do when they drop every Friday here. And then it's uh, things that we talk about. Some of it is, you know, maybe more so for that week in particular. But a lot of this stuff you can learn from even after we drop that podcast. And it's easy to get to those podcasts. Absolutely. Anywhere you find your podcast, go back, listen to all of them. Listen to the spring series. Listen to the summer series. Go on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you find shows. Or you can just uh, go to our landing page, accuweather.com slash podcast. It's got everything you need there. Not only just everything under the sun, but there are other shows, including uh, Weather Insider and This Date in Weather History. Yeah, those are uh, very popular, uh, you know, Bernie Reno takes the reins of uh, Weather Insider most days, and our good friend Evan Myers 
who's witnessed a lot of weather history himself. <laughs> That's not to say that Evans advanced in his age, but let's just say I grew up listening to him and I'm not a spring chicken myself there, you know, <laughs> Andy. Uh, so do you have any vacation coming? I mean, I went on vacation. Ken Prell's on vacation. Does anybody, does anybody give you I, some vacation? I think that this is considered my vacation. He's not here oh, and I'm listening in, in and working on this show. And I'm doing it two weeks in a row. So I guess yeah. this, <laughs> yes, this is my vacation this year. Well, <laughs> we're good and glad to have you. And I, I'm so thankful to the work that Andy and Ken do behind the scenes. Normally in our final segment, we do a kind of weather at the look ahead for the weekend and week beyond. I'm going to kind of just do that right here, Andy, so we can get out of the way and get people back to enjoying their summer and hopefully checking out some of those podcasts we just talked about. Uh, but as we look at the weather for this upcoming weekend, heat and humidity building back more and more in the middle of the country. And as uh, we talked about, this wildfire smoke situation, friends, is not going away anytime soon. Places east of the Rockies and especially in the eastern seaboard, I know we had a real bad issue with that the middle of this past week. But as we've gone into this upcoming weekend here, it looks like it is alleviated a bit. But you will see varying amounts of haze as the atmosphere keeps mixing it up, at least in the northeast. It looks like the atmosphere is moving, I think. Um, the Great Lakes uh, have some unsettled weather with some shower and thunderstorm pop-ups as we get into Saturday. Maybe not as much as Sunday, but we're going to see things warming up there. The Northeast right now, as we drop this podcast on Friday, we're in the midst of a, a stretch of three or so days that are really nice. Now, the sky may not look that great, but low humidity and comfortable temperatures and actually a little seasonably cool as you head farther up in New England. An area of low pressure is going to kind of camp out. We uh, would also ultimately usually watch to see if that could develop into a tropical situation along the eastern seaboard, right along the coast of Georgia and Florida. This would just be a rainmaker with showers and thunderstorms, places like uh, the Carolinas, Atlanta, back to, say, New Orleans, Houston, and up through the middle of the country, hot and dry. And we got some monsoonal moisture. What the, a monsoonal flow means, it's going against the grain, it going um, opposite of what seasonably the wind flow and the weather flow should be. More humid air coming up from the uh, south and some moisture coming up over the Mexican uh, mountains are coming up into the southwest and there will be some showers and thunderstorms and there could be some heavy pockets of rain this weekend in the southwest. Meanwhile, the northwest and into next week looks dry. The heat has suppressed a little bit, as Pat, uh, as Paul said but it looks like it'll start building again in the Southwest and back into parts of the Northwest here over the next couple of weeks. So those are all things that we're keeping on eye on Andy, anything else before we wrap up this week in everything under the sun? It has just been great to be on with you this week and to uh, go back and listen to some of those, uh, those older segments that we did a while ago. And uh, you know, like, like we said before, you're encouraged to go back and listen to some of those shows, listen to those full interviews. Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you listening as well. So thanks then, for having me on this week, man. No, no problem. And then the other thing I'd add on that is please share it. You know, if you yeah. know someone who has a child and maybe doesn't, you know, as in something you'd want to talk to them about, about making sure that they keep that in mind with a vehicular, heat stroke issue and you know someone that maybe wants to stay out on the golf course too long when it's lightning or somebody likes camping share those episodes in this episode with them as well Absolutely. for all of us yep 
for all of us here at AccuWeather.com. It's been a pleasure. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore. For our hundreds of AccuWeather team members across the world who work very hard every day to weatherproof your life, that does it for Episode 8 of our weekly podcast, Everything Under the Sun. We'll be back next week with Episode 9 of our summer series as we turn the calendar from July to August. This is AccuWeather.com's Everything Under the Sun. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.